We'd like to welcome you back to part three of our current event and weekly Bible study for September 30th, 2012, along the same lines, because we're just building from one article to the next, what we just talked about. The urine Christ returns to New York along with the urine Moses, and I'm substituting the word urine for the P word, okay? I just don't think that's appropriate to say online. Anyway, Midtown Manhattan has been the scene of much religious reflection and blasphemy as of late. One act of solemn reflection took place at the 140-year-old Central Synagogue on 55th Street, where Jews assembled on Wednesday to observe Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the Jewish calendar. While they prayed a few blocks away, a man who has called the state of Israel a, quote, malignant cancer prayed as well, for there and its destruction, meaning Ahmadinejad. And it's no secret he, he has done that and said that. I've documented it over and over. In his speech before the United Nations General Assembly, and there's a clink, link here you can click on the video, outgoing President Ahmadinejad asked God to bring a new order, like the New World Order, and that, that will do away with everything that distances us. If the intent wasn't clear enough, he later explained in an interview with the Associated Press that he expects that Israel will soon become a historical footnote, quote, and will be eliminated. Today, the blaspheming continues at the Edwin Tyler Nahum Gallery on 57th Street, where the state-sponsored National Endowment of the Arts, remember, artwork of the urine Christ goes on display for a month. The work, in case you missed the controversy that swirled around its debut in 1987, consists of a photograph of a crucifix floating in the artist's urine. I mean, this guy is demon-possessed to the toenails. Just sick. Okay? The week has been noteworthy not only for its anti-religious acts, but for the conspicuous inaction on the part of those whose faiths were defiled. Jews chose not to react to Ahmadinejad's incendiary remarks by storming the permanent mission of the Islamic Republic of Iran to the United Nations in New York or burning the Islamic flag in the streets of Manhattan. Christians did not firebomb the D.C. headquarters of the National Endowment of the Arts, the government agency that funded the urine Christ or demanded that its artist, Andre Serrano, be, quote, cut up into little pieces, which is the fate suggested by many Muslim protesters for the maker of the anti-Islamic film, Joke of a Trailer, that came out. Do you understand? I'm, I'm just, I'm constantly trying to show you the chasm, um, the distance that separates the way Islam reacts to something as opposed to the ways that Jews and Christians tend to react. And I understand Jews and Christians is a very general statement here, but for the sake of what I'm trying to talk about, hopefully you get the, the drift there. But the best way to see the folly of all this and in, in its disconnect with reality is through a litmus test of sorts proposed by Mario Loyola of the National Review Online. He says, now I'm not saying I say this, but he says, find an enterprising young artist willing to create a urine Mohammed, like the P-word Mohammed, okay, version of Serrano's work, like they have the one with the crucifix, will do one with Mohammed submerged in the artist's urine, okay? And then ask the museum to hang it next to the urine Christ, and it could be part of the urine religion exhibit. Now, I'm not saying to do this. I'm saying, he's saying this to make a point, okay? If the gallery declines, as it surely would, because anything against Muhammad, oh my word, you can say anything you want about Jesus Christ, but don't dare say anything against Muhammad, you know? Uh, then perhaps one could gather, it, um, if the gallery declines, as it, it surely would, then perhaps one could gather a small group of Manhattan atheists to march the urine portraits right up First Avenue past the United Nations, in homage to the First Amendment. Um, now, you know if they did that, the Muslims will be out there, literally, probably, that would incite them to the point where they would probably come out there with machetes, and and they would try to kill them, I, I think. I think that they would. And they would and they would come out afterwards, so we, we can't help our actions. You, 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 you brought this on yourself, infidel. We're a religion of peace, but you, you drove us to this. This is all your fault. This is like your hand beheaded those people. 
because you stopped, you didn't stop this. That's what they probably say. Something along those lines. Every last person then who complains will have to explain why they said nothing during the 20 plus years that the revolting urine Christ had been touring art galleries around the world. They will be forced to either treat Islam and Christianity the same or finally admit the cowardly truth, which is that the degree of respect for any given pagan religion, essentially, is proportional to its followers' propensity for violence. In other words, this is a big, like I said, mafioso intimidation tactic. That's what Islam is. Intimidation. They're like the big bully on the block that nobody wants to really stand up to. You know? Oh, no, 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 no. They would come, they kill us, they, they do our, well, we just give them whatever they want. Unbelievable. So the degree of respect for any given religion is proportional to its followers' propensity for violence. Now I added something to that. And I said, and even more importantly, how much protection and support the New World Order boys have given to the false cult religion that ultimately is serving their purposes like useful idiots. That's very important to add on to that. Because if they weren't being afforded the protection from the Illuminati, to bring about the New World Order, then they wouldn't be in this protected class and status, and they would not be getting away with what they're getting away with. The New World Order is absolutely 100% greasing the skids and enabling all of this these Muslim atrocities to happen wholesale across the planet without any kind of real retribution. They're encouraging it. They're making it happen. All by design. Next art, next report. Jesus not allowed any faith sentiment sweeping the U.S. Um, this is from, I think, Christian Broadcasting Network. Could you imagine going to jail for your faith? A recent report warns that it could happen. CBN News investigated the growing wave of hostility to Christianity in America that led to hundreds of court cases. Angela Hildebrand faced the very real possibility of going to jail for her faith. You know what she did? The trouble began when a federal judge ruled that no one at her Texas high school could pray or even use the words prayer or amen during the 2011 graduation ceremonies. Are you kidding me? As class valedictorian, Hildebrand felt God deserved the praise, even if it meant jail for her. Can you imagine the valedictorian? Carter off to jail. She said amen at the end of her speech. She's a high criminal. The, the Islam could do whatever they want in America. Wholesale. And it's becoming more and more like that every day. But don't you Christians dare say anything like that or you're going to go to jail. I'm going to put me in jail. Get it over with. Well, we'll see if we'll see if God lets you do it, though. You're going to have to get through the Lord first. Because he might have other plans. For a given Christian, for me, for whoever. She goes on to say, I was definitely preparing myself to have to make that sort of tough decision. And mentally prepare myself for what well could be coming next. Can you imagine this? She's worried about going to jail for a valedictorian speech? She told, she told this to CBN News. Hildebrand's case is just one of the more than 640 cases of religious hostility cited in a new report by the Liberty Institute. General Counsel Jeff Matter, who takes on many of these cases, helped put the survey together. He said, um, the atheists and the secularists are well organized and they're well funded. So are the Muslims. He left them out. The Liberty Institute attorney told CBN News. The rate of hostility for people of faith is overwhelming, he said. It's increasing every day. We're getting more and more calls. So you're seeing one protected class of devil-infested religion grow every day in America and worldwide, committing more and more atrocities, and then you're seeing Christianity beaten down, beaten down, beaten down, repressed, threatened with jail time, accused of being the real terrorist more and more every day as well. Woe unto them to call evil good and good evil. That's the norm anymore. That is the norm. 
If you're evil, you're going to be called good. You're pro-death, you're pro-abortion, you're pro-Planned Parenthood, you're good. You're pro-sodomite, gay, transgender, lesbian. All of these things that invoke the most severest of judgments of God in the Bible. That's good. You're pro-Islam, you go, you kill, you rape, you steal, you defile, you destroy, you lie. That's good. You're protected. The more evil you are, the more protected you are going to become in this world. The more righteous you are, the more holy you are, the more of a target you are. But God's still bigger than all of that. The Lord Jesus Christ is still bigger and greater than all of that, than all of Satan's plans. Period. Next article, or next report, I had a uh, listener email me this. He said, Hi Scott, I'm noticing a large influx of the assault on God's word, especially on YouTube, with so-called believers saying that they have the Holy Spirit but don't need the Bible anymore. And when the pseudo-Christians are quoting what scripture they want and saying the rest is corrupted by man, meaning they're picking and choosing whatever they want, and then we have the mainstream media and what seems like Satan moving things up a gear with the whole alien creator, ancient astronaut, Prometheus idea. Okay, I got into Prometheus. I did a whole report on that where you know they say that our creators were these aliens. You know, that came here millions of uh, years ago and seeded humanity. We're like their little science project and we evolved into what we are today. And they're coming back because we've really messed things up and they've got to straighten us out. And we, they have to do that if we're going to go from the age of uh, Pisces into the age of Aquarius and we're, we're going to become as gods. So that's the big lie. Here is yet another video apparently from a former Vatican employee who translated supposedly the original Bible, so you can be sure it is flowing with pure pure Catholic truth. And obviously he says that tongue-in-cheek. It's a video that this guy's put out saying that he's just totally, totally butchering the Bible up and saying that there's all these verses that, you know, or this and that. And then the guy's a total liar, okay? It's like going to Satan to, to get a, a straight answer. And I, I started, I, I looked at some of it, and... It's very much like Prometheus in the whole theme there. And um, I don't have time to get into it, but I put a link to the book entitled Did the Catholic Church Give Us the Bible? The True History of God's Words. It's by a guy named David Daniels. There's not one history of the Bible, but two. One is the history of God preserving his words through his people. Uh, The other is the devil using the Roman Catholic Church to pervert God's words through their, quote, scholars, which is exactly what we're seeing in this video I just quoted. Written in a down-to-earth style, Daniels, David Daniels shows the Bibles, the Bibles Rome gave us are really clever counterfeits designed to eliminate God's preserved words in English, the King James Bible. You will see why the KJV is the only Bible you can trust. You will also see You'll also trust God and believe his preserved words. Or will you trust God and believe his preserved words? Or will you trust to pick yourself a Bible version that says what men think God meant to say? Remember, God is not the author of confusion. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. There's not like 400 different versions up in heaven. Okay? So, you start to think about that. God is not the author of confusion. Why would he have all these different versions? Well... I'm going to get into that in a second, too. Biblically, why? Was it predicted that this would happen? Absolutely. I give you my five-part teaching on the KJV defended as God's preserved word. You can click on those links there. And then the next question, which kind of relates to the last one, um, a listener named Derek said, I was initially excited to hear of a new Baptist church starting up in my hometown. But upon attending there a few times, I'm now disappointed. It is Reformed Baptist, and they do the annoying thing of jumping back and forth with different versions during the sermon. Again, God is not the author of confusion. Namely, the AS, American Standard Version, which is really the Catholic Bible, uh, the ESV, and the Holman translations. I heard the NIV version has neutered God, the, the latest NIV version, latest NIV New uh, uh, NIV has neutered God by replacing all masculine pronouns with gender neutral language. Some of the again, what they'll do. Some of the Bible versions have have like taken out like Jesus and they refer to him as like the one. Now it gets to a point where obviously you can't even get saved out of a Bible like that. 
there is no other name written among men among, under heaven whereby man must be saved. Okay? Jesus Christ. If you don't even have his name in that Bible, and it's been so watered down, how are you going to get saved? That's the whole key. That's what Satan wants. The closest KJV church from where I live is two hours away. I've listened to yours and numerous other presentations promoting the case for the KJV. The relentless attack on God's word via the flood of different translations may well be the number one crisis facing Christianity today. Good point. Started back in 1881, really, with Westcott and Hort. Two high-level occultists, and I mean they were high-level occultists. They had a close called the club called the Ghostly Guild where they got together people like Charles Darwin, I'm not making this stuff up, and they had seances to communicate with devils and demons. They had a club called the Hermes Club, the God of Death, where they went and they met. These guys were hardcore, high-level occultists, yoked up with the Catholic Church, that took two corrupt Catholic manuscripts, the Sinaiticus and the Vaticanus, and created their own hodgepodge devil Bible. And the Sinaiticus and Vaticanus, which were two corrupted Catholic manuscripts... The Sinaiticus was literally found at a trash can at St. Catherine's Monastery at the base of Mount Sinai. That's why they call it the Sinaiticus. It was found in a trash can. Okay? They took that one that was found in the trash can, and then the Vaticanus, which they found in the Vatican, which had been sealed away for so long, and was so old because nobody, even the Catholics, wouldn't touch the thing. It was so corrupted. So they took those two corrupt Catholic manuscripts and made their own Bible called the Revised Version of 1881, which has literally spawned almost all of the versions we have today. Now, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Psalm 11, verse 3. Well, the foundations were totally corrupted from the get-go. And you, how could something good come from that? And then the, the, the versions since then have been more watered down and more corrupted and more corrupted. And each time they come out with a new version, they can put a copyright on it, meaning they can make more money. That's why the KJV does not have a copyright on it anywhere other than England, I believe. KJV, you can copy it. That's why when you go into a dollar store, you can buy a KJV. Because there's no copyright on it. That's how they can make a dollar for a Bible. A, a Bible for a dollar. You won't see the NIVs and those types of other ones in there because there's copyrights on them and somebody's got to get paid. The love of money is the root of all evil. Imagine that. But from a satanic standpoint, he doesn't really care about the money. He cares about corrupting the word of God. He cares about what he did in Genesis 3 when he went to Eve. Yea, hath God said. He asked her that question. Yea, hath God said. Did he really say that? I don't really think he said that. Eve. And he twisted God's words. He's been doing it since Genesis 3 when he first appeared on the scene. And he's still doing it today. But today he's doing it to the whole Bible. The NIV, the original one, who knows, the one now, had six, over 64,000 less words than a KJV. Almost 10% of the total text eliminated. And then massive changes of the actual verbiage in between. They have to have a certain amount of changes in order to come out with a new corrupted Bible. They have to change the words. It has nothing to do with it being more scholarly or with it being better. In order for them to make more money off a copywritten version, there has to be a certain number of changes to other Bibles. Or they can't copyright it. It's so evil and so obvious. And there's only one version that came up through Antioch. Not through the Catholic Church, not through Alexandria, Egypt. There's two streams of Bibles. And the one stream from Egypt... Alexander, Egypt. God told us not even to go there, told the kings not even to go there to get their horses. But we're going to get our Bible from there? That's where the Sinaiticus and Vaticanus doctrines came from through the Catholic Church. It spawned all the modern day versions. And then there's one other stream, only one. Remember, God's not the author of confusion. They came up through where they were first called Christians. Where was that? Antioch. Into the Byzantine, into the majority text. The Textus Receptus, the Hebrew Masoretic Text, into the King James Bible. And that version stands by itself, totally different streams. So you just have to make the decision, which one's, which one's God's word? Is it all of the hundreds of versions over here that spawned from Alexandria, Egypt, through the Catholic Church, through two high-level occultists named Westcott and Hort? They're all copywritten, that they can all make money off? Or is it this other one, which is totally different in every way, shape, and form? 
the, the choice becomes very easy when you look at it from that standpoint. Now, I did a five-part study here you can click on if you're not convinced. And I'm, just don't take my word for it. But look at the facts. So, let's go further. Um, the relentless attack on God's word via the flood of different translations may well be the number one crisis facing Christianity today. The way the serpent enticed Eve to sin was through undermining what God had said. I just mentioned that in Genesis 3. My comment, yes, this is predicted. Amos 8.11 Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor of thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Where can you even go now, hardly, in any kind of church setting and hear the King James Bible spoken from? Very few. The days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from north even to the east. They shall run to and fro. Remember that phrase. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and they shall not find it. Does that have anything to do with 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 where it says, For this cause God will send them strong delusion that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned to receive not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness? I bet it does. It has to do with the falling away of the church, which is also talked about. Because you're going to have a falling away of the church when you can't hear the true words of the Lord. Because the words of the Lord are the foundation of our faith. And if we're not hearing them, our faith is going to be eroded. And it's going to be affected. It's going to be corrupted. And we're not going to have any backbone. Which is what I see most of all from, from Christians. people that Now, I'm not talking about my listeners. I'm talking about lukewarm Christians in general. No backbone. Did the apostles have backbone? Did Jesus Christ have backbone? No courage. Well, when your faith's been undermined, it's been destroyed, you're not going to have anything. You're going to have a wet noodle for a backbone. It's not going to be there. And if you think you're going to muster it up because you're a big man or whatever, it can't be done. You have to have the Holy Spirit. You have to be saved. You could say, oh, I'm going to do this or that all you want. But when the time comes, you're not, going to have, you're not going to have the real courage to face it. Whatever God has set before you. Whatever is set before you. So they're going to run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and they shall not find it. Hmm. Where else does it say that? Daniel 12.4, regarding the end times. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the end of the time. Even... To the time of the end, I'm sorry. Which is where we're at now. Many shall run to and fro. Wow, we just read that in Amos. And knowledge shall be increased. Knowledge is increased today more than it ever has in the history of humanity. And I would guarantee even more than Noah's day. Unless they had the internet back then. Knowledge shall be increased. That doesn't mean it's necessarily going to be truth that's increased. Knowledge. There's a lot of knowledge out there. That's why I have this ministry to try to separate truth from lies because there's more, way more lies than there are truth out there. Knowledge is going to be increased. Many are going to run to and fro. Many are going to run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. So you should consider yourself ultra-blessed if you're sitting here listening to this and you realize the King James Bible is the word of God in the English speaking language and you realize that these current events line up totally with what the word of God predicted, you should consider yourself blessed. I know I do. Because I could be like the vast majority of people that call themselves Christians and be totally deluded and deceived and I'm going to be you know, just steamrolled when this stuff starts to really go down because they're not going to have a clue of what to do and how to react because their ears have been tickled and they've been given lies the whole time they've been brought up in a denominational system. Most of them. Not all, but most. I think that's why it's so important to be thankful to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thankful to Father God for all that He's done for us, for all that He's given us, for the for most of all, for salvation through Jesus Christ. His death, burial, and resurrection. 
that he's seated at the, ever, at, at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, ever making intercession for the saints. Thankfulness is hugely, incredibly important. And thankfulness will breed humility in a person. And then that will lead to the fear of God, which are all very important stuff. Incredibly. So, let's switch gears totally now. Um, articles by Jerome Corsi, Harvard PhD, World Daily Net senior reporter, has authored many books, including number one, best time seller, The Abomination. <laughs> I get Abomination, but it's Abomination. And, quote, unfit for command. And here's a guy with a backbone. And his latest book, Where's the Real Birth Certificate? Articles entitled, Claim, Obama Hid Gay Life to Become President. Chicago homosexual community shocked he couldn't he could keep it a secret. Well, when you've got the whole world media and the Illuminati behind you, just like the Muslims, which Obama is one of them, and they put him in there so that he would be so, partly so that he would be so favorable to Islam, and look what's happened in America with Islam. When you have the world Illuminati media on your side, they're going to be able to suppress whatever they want to suppress to a certain point. To a certain point, because we're going to expose this today. A prominent member of Chicago's homosexual community claims Barack Obama's participation in the gay bar scene and bathhouse scene was so well known that many who were aware of his lifestyle were absolutely shocked when he ran for president and finally won the White House. Now, I have mentioned this on numerous occasions. All of his lovers end up dead, typically, or totally out of the picture. Okay? It was preposterous for the people I knew then to think Obama was going to keep his gay lifestyle a secret, said Kevin Dujan, who was a gossip columnist in Chicago for various blogs when Obama was living in the city as a community organizer and later as a state senator. He said, quote, nobody knew who Obama in the gay bar, nobody knew who knew Obama in the gay bar scene thought he could possibly be president. Dujan is the founder and editor of the Hillary Clinton-supporting website, Hill Buzz. Now, here's a liberal. This guy's a liberal saying this. He's not somebody with an axe to grind with Obama. He's just reporting on what he knows to be truth. Okay, He's an editor of the Hillary Clinton-supporting website, hillbuzz.org. He told World Daily Net he, was, he had first-hand information from two different sources that, quote, Obama was personally involved in the gay bar scene, he says, quote, if you just hang out at these bars, the older guys who have been frequenting these gay bars for 25 years will tell you these stories. Obama used to go to the gay bars during the, during the week, most, most often on Wednesday, and they said he was very much into older white guys. I mean, we're talking, we're talking as sick as you could get. But with a guy, as I've reported over and over and over again, with what he's done since he's been in office, you would have to be that sick to do the things he's done and then just smile and act like he is on the cause on the side of righteousness. You've got to be just. And again, I mean, even the Bible talks about the Antichrist is not going to have any regard for women. I mean, gays. I just did the thing on the pink swastika not too long ago, where it was the vast majority of the officers in the Nazi regime were homosexual, and they they had yeah they had their wives and they had the veneer, okay, like they like these guys all do, but you know. When the, when the uh, doors were shut, that wasn't so. If you were Satan, who would you pick to do your work? Your, I mean, would you pick somebody that had morals? Do you ever see gay parades and them marching for um, pro-life? A gay, a gay parade and them marching for pro-life? Never. They would only ever want pro-death. They would only want abortion. Gay parades, if you notice, they never march, they never march for anything righteous. Ever notice that about the gay parades? They always march for perversion, shoving their disgusting lifestyle down our throats. They never march for, you know, preserving the King James Bible or, you know, pro-life or, you know, like returning us to a gold-based or silver-based currency with actually something behind them. I'm just thinking of things that would be righteous for them. No, no, no. They always march for something evil. Every time. Because they are evil. So if you were Satan, who would you pick to be at the very spear tip 
of any particular movement. I've told you, these guys, you know, that, that are, that are in high government and political office, I've reported on this over and over again, the propensity that they have toward pedophilia, toward raping and, 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 um, defiling little children, and then, you know, the closet Luciferians and Satanists, which most of these are as well, they always end up getting into homosexual, bisexual type behavior. It's part of their religion. They always gravitate toward it. So anything vile, evil, and disgusting, just bank on that they're into it. And if you were Satan, wouldn't that be the person you would want? Because they're not going to have any scruples or, or qualms about doing something wicked and evil if they're into that stuff. If they're willing to do that, there's the, anything goes. Talk about having your conscience seared with a hot iron. Talk about being turned over to a reprobate mind, as it talks about in Romans 1, which went in, in, in that context, it was about lesbians and gay men. Turned over to a reprobate mind. Now, once you're turned over to a reprobate mind, I don't know how you get unturned over. Or there's a very, very, very low likelihood it's going to happen, put it that way. So... It makes sense from a satanic standpoint why you would want to have these closet gays in the most highest positions of powers. Not only the closet gays, they're closet Luciferians. And they've underwent most likely all types of satanic initiations. They wouldn't be there if they weren't of the right bloodline. I mean, it goes on and on and on. So, going further... uh, World Daily Net also spoke... Well, Daily Night also spoke with a member of East Bank Club in Chicago. No, hold on, hold on, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, Obama, uh, Dujan said, this guy talking, he said, Obama is not heterosexual. He's not bisexual. He's homosexual. Meaning, if he has had or has any relations with Michelle, it's an absolute farce of a marriage type of deal. Okay? Um, He's saying... This guy is a homosexual. Hardcore. Investigative journalist Wayne Matson, also who also worked with the National Security Agency from 84 to 88 as a Navy intelligence analyst, confirms Dujan's claims. He said, quote, it's common knowledge in the Chicago gay community that Obama actively visited the gay bars and bathhouses in Chicago while he was an uh, Illinois state senator. Matson told World Daily Net. World Daily Net also spoke with a member of the East Bank Club in Chicago. So they actually sent people there to interview people over a long period of time who confirmed Obama was a member there and also known as a homosexual. Well, this is the this upscale fitness club, which has some 10,000 members. is not a, quote, gay facility, but it's one of the number of places identified by the Chicago homosexual community as a gay gym, where homosexuals meet and engage in sexual activity. In April, World Daily Net reported, uh, like a bathhouse, I guess. I mean, we're talking beyond disgusting. In, in April, World Daily Net reported a federal judge dismissed a libel case against Larry Sinclair, a homosexual who claimed Obama's 2008 presidential campaign had, been, had paid to rig a polygraph test regarding Sinclair's sensational charge that he had sex and used cocaine twice with Obama while Obama was an Illinois state senator. Sinclair tells his story in, I guess, the reporter book, Barack Obama and Larry Sinclair, Cocaine, Sex, Lies, and Murder. There's a link to that here. World Daily Net also supported, and there's a link to this, former radical activist John Drew has said that when he met Obama, when Obama was a student at Occidental College, he thought Obama and then the Pakistani roommate were gay lovers. We're going to get more into that later. In addition... Rumors have swirled around Obama's relationship with the personal aide and former body man, Reggie Love, who resurfaced on the eve of the Republican National Convention to support his old boss. Uh, He's very fortunate to even be alive. Love resigned from the White House in November 2011 after compromising photos of him as a college student received received wide circulation. World Daily Net also documented in two separate articles here and here, and there's links to both of those, that Obama wore a gold band on his wedding ring finger from the time he attended Occidental College through his student days at Harvard Law School. He wore a gold band? This is before Michelle. 
Okay, well, what does that mean? Well, that was the same time he was with this Pakistani guy. We're going to look at that. And no explanation has ever been given why he was wearing a gold band on his ring finger during that time. Huh. Dijon said that during Obama's first presidential campaign, there was fear in the gay community about talking openly about Obama being homosexual. Particularly after the murder, <laughs> this, was a, this was a clear message to all the other gays out there that knew about him. A not-so-subtle message to them, particularly after the murder of December 2007 of Donald Young, the openly gay choir director at Jeremiah Wright's Trinity United Church of Christ, which is where Obama went, you know, he was the guy that said GD America, okay, well, this is where Obama went to church. Well, it's funny, the openly gay choir director who was known to be a close friend of Obama, suddenly was murdered in 2000, December of 2007, right before Obama started running for president. Huh. And it was at Jeremiah Wright's Trinity United Church of Christ. I would say that was a not-so-subtle message to all the other gays to keep your mouth shut about Obama, or the same thing's going to happen to you. Goes on to say, people did not want to talk openly about Obama being gay, he said. Then... When we saw how Larry Sinclair was demonized, anybody who would expose Obama worried they would be silenced if they dared to speak the truth about Obama's gay life, Dujan said. Dujan said he had been told Obama's secrets would have to come out just like John Edwards' secrets came out. Um, He said Obama stopped going to, to gay bars and bathhouses in Chicago when he began running for the U.S. Senate, I guess after the state Senate, the U.S. Senate in 2004, he stopped going. At least he stopped going to ones that were just flagrantly obvious. Okay? Because they got their own underground network. It's just disgusting. Um, Back then, Obama could walk around Chicago and people generally wouldn't recognize him, even though he was a state senator in Illinois' assembly at the time. Um... Dujan said, he also insisted that while he is a supporter of Hillary Clinton, he holds no personal animus toward Obama. He said, I opposed Obama, not because I'm racist or that I hate Obama. I mean, that guy's a liberal. He supports Clinton, Hillary. He said, I knew the type of person Obama associated with in Chicago. That's why he was, you know, doing this. He pointed to Obama's association with convicted Chicago real estate magnate Tony Rezko and Nation of Islam leader Louis Farrakhan and Reverend Wright. I mean, these are all slime buckets. And he's good buddies with them. Birds of a feather flock together. Obama was a dirty politician that the media never wanted to vet. This guy's never been vetted, ever. I mean, there's never been a president, I don't know, in the history of mankind that's been less vetted than this dude. Uh, and that's what concerned me about Obama is that he wasn't vetted. Dujan spoke further on his claims about Obama in an interview Monday night on Andrea Shea King's show on Blog Talk Radio. There's a link to that if you'd like to hear it. Which included questions from World Daily Net during the last half of the show. Madsen published an article in his Wade Madsen report in May of 2010 claiming Obama and Chicago, uh, Chicago Mayor Rahm Emanuel, which was formerly, I believe, one of his czars, were members of the same gay bathhouse in Chicago. Well, isn't that special? Uh, President Obama and his chief of staff, Rahm Emanuel, are lifetime members of the same gay bathhouse in uptown Chicago. And they do the most vile, despicable, evil things in these bathhouses that I wouldn't even want you to try to imagine. According to informed sources of Chicago's gay community, as well as veteran political sources in the city, Madison wrote, he said the bathhouse, which is called Man's Country, it's a real literal bathhouse called Man's Country, okay, catered to older men, noting it has been in business for some 30 years and is known as one of uptown Chicago's, quote, grand old bathhouses. I mean, the, this, the disgusting perversity and sickness of this defies imagination. Chicago's just evil, okay? I mean, one of the most wicked, evil cities, period. And why doesn't this surprise me, that all of this going on here? Madsen wrote in his 2010 report, after traveling to Chicago to interview bartenders and customers at several gay bars. I mean, he really did a lot of work. This isn't just like half-baked, half-cocked stuff that we're just throwing out as slander. 
The guy did an enormous amount of work and interviewed a ton of people. Dijon gave World Daily Net a list of gay bars. And, and, and based on all the other wicked, evil things that we've exposed about Obama prior to him ever being president, why would this surprise us? <laughs> I mean, the, 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 guy, the guy, there's nothing the guy wouldn't do. He's already sold a soul to the devil a long time ago. You know, why would any of this even surprise us? Um, Dijon gave World Daily Net a list of gay bars in Chicago where older customers hang out and tell stories about how Obama, prior to 2004, frequently visited these bathhouses to pick up men for sex, including several on Halstead Street, widely known as the uber-gay Chicago Street. Writing in the hillbuzz.org Tuesday, Dujan said, One room at Man's Country Bathhouse is still referred to as the presidential suite because the current president used to haunt the place when he was just another Illinois state senator that no one had ever even heard or cared about. End of quote. They call it the presidential suite. He's got his own room at the Man's Country Bathhouse. Unbelievable. Dijon said he believes that someday all of this is going to be public knowledge as JFK's affair with Marilyn Monroe and other women he cavorted with uh, while he was married to Jackie. Okay, next story, which relates to this one. Obama photo, holding hands with gay lover from Pakistan. Here's a picture of good old Obama. Now, I've seen this picture many times, but this guy that did this picture blew it up. And revealed some things, or one thing I was not aware of. And it's Obama, oh, he looks to be in his early 20s, with this guy sitting on a couch. Now, you may want to literally click on this. And they're sitting, I mean, literally, like you couldn't slide a piece of paper in between them. They're sitting on a couch, and the couch is big enough where one could be at one end and one could be at the other. Like, if you were two guys, that's kind of what you'd do, you know, just instinctively. No, 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 they're snuggled up to... Uh, uh, together, uh, when the one guy's smiling, Obama's kind of sitting there with his head cocked back, his, uh, both their legs are crossed, and the one guy's smoking a cigarette. Now, this is this Pakistani lover that he had back then, and I believe this is the time when he was wearing that gold wedding band, okay, that we mentioned earlier. New York Times picture of Obama with one of his Pakistani buddies. Note at the end of this article the blown up pics of their hands intertwined around the smoke which is what I didn't see before, until this guy blew up this picture. Scroll all the way down, and we'll get to that later. Is there any wonder how one candidate is so extreme on social issues, such as abortion, partial birth abortion, infanticide, homosexual, same-sex, so-called marriage? Why would it be any wonder you have this reprobate being so rapidly evil when this has been his lifestyle? His, his bent for all of these years. Now here is a picture of uh, when a bear hug is more than a bear hug. Eric Rush wonders if first gay president isn't the perfect descriptor for Obama. This is from World Daily Now. And it shows this guy. This is when Obama went into that, I think it was a sandwich shop or whatever, not too long ago. And that guy came. And now normally if you're president, you got Secret Service around. You can't get near the president. Well, this guy comes up and gives Obama this gigantic bear hug, lifts him up off his feet. Here's a picture of it. So, I'm seeing this picture, and I, I, I've never seen it before. And, I mean, Obama looks like a little, kind of like a little toothpick next to this guy. He's this kind of big, burly guy. And he, I mean, I mean, it looks like, and Obama's like got his hands out. Like, he's like, oh, I can't believe this is happening to me. It's, it's, I mean, he's literally, the guy like lifted him off the ground and like went backwards. So it's like his, his whole body's off the ground. Obama, he looks like a little rag doll, okay, with this big white muscular guy. And I'm like, this would never, ever, ever happen unless it was staged. Because you can't get that close to the president, just random people going up to him, giving him a bear hug. The Secret Service would never let that happen. Well, Eric Rush in his excellent World Daily Net commentary strongly suggests that there was more to this bear hug than meets the unsuspecting eye. Here's an excerpt from the article. In my opinion, the pizza restaurant stop was definitely not unscheduled. Not only did Van Dezur visit the White House, this is the guy that gave him the bear hug, he visited the White House in June. 
during the course of charity work in June, but he didn't look surprised to see the president when he arrived. Huh, isn't that weird? Although it was clear from the video that the two men had not just met. Towards the end of the clip, Obama prevents, presents Van Zier with a few questions that were crafted to suggest that this was their first encounter, which is a total lie. This next picture, I can't even hardly look at it. Then there was an undignified nature of the encounter. You just don't grab the president of the United States and lift him off his feet. Although you might do so with your girlfriend. Then there was the whole grabby thing. The president and the pizza man literally could not keep their hands off each other. Now here's a picture of it. This is as creepy as it gets. You don't believe me? Look at the, look at the PDF for this date. They couldn't keep their hands off one another. And Obama's demeanor at this venue was more was more that of a guy cruising a bar, or it looks like here a giddy schoolgirl, than that of a campaigning incumbent. I know that I am among many who got the creeps while watching the now famous exchange. I mean, I'm showing Taylor this picture, and it's like, it's like so creepy beyond belief. And it's it's this guy, and him, and the, the pizza guy. And, and they're like, they just look like two, two kids in love. I'll tell you why. I mean, he looks like a little giddy schoolgirl with, you know, oh, it's so disgusting. I mean, it's really mega, mega creepy. And it's, you know, right here. I mean, this was on mainstream news. During the discussion with Corsi, Kevin Dujan, the pizza guy or whatever, asserted that Obama's, uh, oh, no, no, Kevin Dujan. This is the guy from the last article asserted that Obama's homosexuality was common knowledge within Chicago's gay community, as it were. It's not much different, he says, than closeted gay men in Hollywood who maintain families and sham marriages with wives in order to advance themselves professionally. Now, going back to the original picture of him and his Pakistani lover, okay, we're looking here at a picture of them on the couch, the same picture, and then a, and then a close-up, a more of a close-up of the hands, the pic of Obama with one of his college Pakistani buddies noticed the blow-up pic of their hands intertwined around the smoke. Now, if you look at the picture of the hands, so I was showing Taylor, and it's the pic of Obama with one of the college Pakistani buddies. Note the second blown-up enlargement picture of their hands. Count the fingers. Now, I've seen this, this picture a hundred times, but I never, I never had a blow-up of the actual hands, okay? You cannot see Obama's left lower arm, okay? You can see his right hand, it's under his, under his right leg. But his left hand and lower arm, you can't really see unless you blow up the actual, there, there's hand, the, the right hand of the Pakistani lover guy is on his, basically his right knee. Now, if you blow up that picture of his hand, with a cigarette in it, and smoke. But the smoke's not even thick. It's, it's not like it's obscuring anything. You count fingers. I'm counting. One, two, three. Possibly, it's at least four, but it might be five, six, possibly seven, possibly eight. Possibly eight fingers. Now, I don't think that Pakistani dude was born with eight fingers on his hand. I doubt it. There may be seven. At minimum, there's six. But... But guaranteed, their hands are intertwined. In other words, they're holding hands on the couch. And they're sitting way, 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 way too close than two normal guys would be sitting. Particularly on some picture. And it'd be one thing if like, there was like space was at a premium and they were at some party and they were crammed on one end of the couch. Nobody's even in the room, it looks like, other than the person taking the picture. So this is creepy beyond belief. And this is the same time he was wearing that wedding ring. <laughs> so... Let's, let's give some more, some more um, confirmation of this. Pro-gay things for sale on Obama's official campaign website. I'm not making this up. Are the children ready for this? Two gay supporting jumpers, for like, like for an infant. The first one says, my two moms support Obama. My two moms support Obama. With, with Obama written in the, in the letters, in the colors of the gay flag. The O is red, the B is orange, the A is yellow, the M is green, and the A is um, 
blue. They just left out purple because they couldn't fit in there because Obama doesn't have that many letters. But my two moms support Obama. Obama's written in gay flag style. And then another one, because we can't leave the dads out, my two dads support Obama. These are things you can buy off Obama's official campaign website. That vile devil has the audacity to put this up there. There's four, the 14 most absurd things for sale on Obama's website. There's a link to this. And it's not, we're not making this up. You, you can go to the website and see for yourself. And... Um, these are the only two that were really pertinent to what we're talking about today. So, we're done. We got through all 22 pages, and hopefully, um, hopefully, we learned some more new stuff today and some things to pray about regarding the wickedness that we're seeing uh, seemingly coming in on all sides. So, I'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and this time you've given us, Lord, for all your goodness and all your mercy. For most of all, for what Jesus Christ did on the cross through his death, burial, and resurrection to save our souls, Lord. I pray if there's anyone hearing this and they're not saved, Lord, they go to my website, click on the salvation tab, Lord God, and that their souls would be saved for to will that not one would perish, but that all would come to repentance or whatever manner or way you see fit, Lord God, you would save their souls. And I just pray for my listeners that you bless them, Lord God, for the body of Christ, for the innocent, for the, for the unborn babies, the babies, the the uh, children, teenagers, the moms and the dads of, of your Christians, the ones that will be saved. I pray to God, plead the blood of Jesus Christ over them. I pray for your protective hand to be upon them. I pray your angels would go before us to prepare the way that you bless them body, soul, and spirit in every way, shape, and form, that any and all curses on their lives be broken in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, your angelic host, and through the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and that you would use us mightily in the days and times to come for your glory, and that through us you would lead many people to the Lord Jesus Christ, and that your protective hand would be upon us, that you would give us divine foreknowledge and discernment and understanding and knowledge and wisdom regarding our lives, regarding what you would have us do with our lives, Lord, and how you would have them us live our lives. I pray you forgive us for any and all sins we've committed in any way, shape, or form as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable and pleasing in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. That you would cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults that they would not have dominion over us. We ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.